Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Are you, are you ready for God's Word this morning? Amen. God is so good, man, and I, I just uh, I love Him so much. And uh, we, we are continuing in our, in our Grateful series. Last week we talked from Psalm 136. Do you guys remember? Reasons why we give thanks to God, because He's always loving, He's always good, He is always working things out for us, for our benefit, working out things for our good. He's always in control, God's never out of control, God's always God, He's always on the throne. And those gives us reasons to be grateful. In life, we need reasons to be grateful, would you agree? Sometimes life just gets so heavy, so burdensome, it's hard to remember to be grateful. Do you know that uh, there was a recent article out at Inc.com? It's a, it's a small business website, it stands for Incorporated. And you know the business world is grabbing on to this understanding of thanksgiving and gratefulness? Do you know that they, in this article it says that the most highly successful people in the world, in, in business or in otherwise, have one attribute, one thing that they do, one habit that they do on a regular basis. And do you know what that habit is? It's practicing gratitude. Practicing gratefulness. In fact, there are some that, are, that daily write down the things that they're grateful for. And this business article, it's not, it wasn't written to Christians. It wasn't written about God. It was written to help businessmen and women grow their business. And they say, if you want to be successful in business, be grateful for the things that you have. Do you know that they're getting that from a, it's a biblical principle? Do you know why that works? It's, it's called a kingdom principle. Have you heard of kingdom principles before? Gratitude is one of them. The other one, uh, another one that we know pretty commonly is generosity. You know, businesses are grabbing a hold of generosity as well. The, the businesses that are doing the best are the ones that give to charities, that give, uh, that give things away, they donate a lot. They, they are recognizing the kingdom principle of being generous and being grateful. The reason those things work is because it's, it's an underlying truth. Whether you are serving Jesus or you're just living in the world, if you, if you practice these, these principles you receive a blessing from God. It's something that he has established that works no matter where you're at or what you're doing. If you practice generosity and you practice gratitude, those things work hand in hand as, a, as what we know as kingdom principles. And this, is, uh, this works specifically for gratitude, which is our focus today, our, 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 our part throughout this, enti- throughout this entire month is being grateful. And it works because gratitude is is a demonstration of humility. Do you agree? Let me, let me, let me explain. When you, are, when you are grateful for something, you are recognizing that you did not make it happen for yourself. Correct? When you're, you're grateful, you are responding to a blessing that you have received. Do you, when you, when you go to work, and whenever you get paid at the end of the week or end of the month, when you get that paycheck, do you run down to your boss's office and fall on her knees and say, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this check. I, I just can't, I cannot believe this week again I made what I made last week. Thank you so much. You don't, you don't do that, right? I mean, you might be grateful for your job and thankful that you have a job, but you're not running to your boss's office with gratitude because this is something that you've earned. You've worked hard 
You've put in your time, and you, you deserve this paycheck. So you're thankful that you have it, but you're not groveling in gratitude to your boss for giving you the money that you've earned, right? Gratitude, when you are grateful, you're demonstrating that I didn't earn this, I don't deserve this, and yet I am receiving blessing. Gratitude actually confronts the face of entitlement and pride. Entitlement says what? You owe me. I, I, I deserve this. You need to give me this because I deserve it. I'm entitled, right? Pride says, I did this all on my own. Nobody helped me. I had to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Nobody had my back. I had my own back. I did it myself. You don't go to some, you don't look in the mirror and say, thank you so much for being me and awesome. You, don't, you just don't do that, right? That's, it's a, that would be weird. In fact, if you see somebody doing that, you probably should say, hey, you need to stop. Uh, because <laughs> pride and entitlement do not give thanks to something because they think they, have, they, they earned, they deserved it, or they did it on their own. Gratitude says, I don't know how I got what I got. I, I, I have been blessed. I have been blessed. And if you're a believer, if you're if a follower of Jesus, you know where the blessing comes from. My blessing comes from God. I didn't deserve this. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve love. I don't deserve mercy, but you give it to me anyway, so thank you. Thank you. In the business world, they'll say, hey, when you're being grateful, just, you know, be, you're excited, you're writing, down, I'm thankful I got this, I got th- I'm thankful I got that. And they make a list out, and it's, it changes their perspective. And this is what we talked about last week. Being grateful changes your perspective. It changes your perspective from your own, what you see, and the lack that you have, to being grateful and saying, God, you have given me all of these things, and now my perspective is God's perspective. Because God is a generous God, he's a loving God, God is a half glass half full kind of God. He's optimistic. He's not pessimistic. God's not up there going, I just don't know if these people are going to really get it today. You know, he's like, he's, he's, he's a, a God who is always thinking of the best things in life. And when we, be, we begin to be grateful, it changes our perspective to thank God for the best things we have in life. Whether that's your spouse, the fact that you have clothes on your back, a roof over your head, food in your stomach, right? All the things that we sometimes neglect thanking God for. The fact that I'm breathing today, the fact that I got out of bed today, thank God I got out of bed today. I didn't know if I was going to make it today out of bed, but I did. Thank God I'm here, right? It changes our perspective. Gratitude recognizes that we've received something we didn't earn, and it requires humility. And what what does James chapter 4 say? James chapter 4 verse 6 says this, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You want to know what it means to walk in grace? Begin to be thankful because God sees a heart of humility and will bless you with his grace and his love. That's what the Bible tells us, and so we need to be a people that are grateful. I'm trying to give you some helpful tips through this through this uh, series, because I want your lives to be radically transformed. I want you to walk with a different air about you. I want you to walk around with people knowing, man, there's just something different. You might have followed Jesus for years, but you've never grasped the understanding of being grateful. And so people just never saw Jesus quite so clearly in your life before. But when you begin to be grateful, they begin to see, there's, man, there's something about, there's something about George that's just different. George, I mean, George is always grateful. He's, very, he's a very cheerful man. You, if you want to smile, just hang out with George a little bit, and you'll, you'll begin to smile. You know, he, 
It doesn't matter what happens in his life. He thanks God and he's, he's grateful. And you can tell that. If you asked Esther, right, Esther, would I, I mean, you can tell me straight up if it's like, nope, he's fakes at home, man. He's like, he's grumpy at home. You could tell me that. You, you could tell George is that way and, and you want to be around people that way because their hearts and attitudes have been changed. Now, you might be sitting, sitting there this morning and you might be saying, Pastor, that sounds great. I, I, I would love to be grateful. That, I mean, I would love to live my life that way, but there's some things you don't know. If you really knew the things that I've done in life, my failures, my shortcomings, Pastor, if you really knew the things that have been done to me, that the fact that I've been a victim of circumstance, that I've been abused and mistreated, if you really knew my life, then you would know how difficult it is for me to be grateful. Some of you might be sitting out there this morning and saying that, I wish I could be grateful, but, but I've got all of these things that are in my way. And you, you're right, I, I, I don't know all of those things. I don't know your story. I don't know what you've done, or I don't know what's been done to you, but can I tell you somebody who does? God. God knows, and, and God continues throughout Scripture to tell us that despite our circumstance, we need to develop a heart of gratitude. He writes it in Scripture. He actually puts it together for us that we would be a people that are grateful. And the reasons, you know, we, we go through hard things in life, there, there are typically two reasons it is because of things that we've done, bad choices, bad mistakes, or just plain living in rebellion against God, and now we suffer the consequences of poor decisions, yeah? We understand that. Or, or we suffer because of what people have done to us, they've, the words that they've spoken, the actions they've done to us, their sinfulness affects our lives. And we, we understand those things. We've, we've experienced them, we've, we've fallen victim to them because of our own sin or because of other people's sin. And yet God still understanding that calls us to be grateful because there's a book in the Bible that is probably the most depressing book. I'm sure you're probably not picking it up and reading through it on your morning devotions daily because it's so depressing. It's called the Book of Lamentations. Some of you probably may not have ever read that book or you started to read it and you said, well, this is really depressing. I'm going to skip to a more cheerful book in the Bible maybe, right? The Book of Lamentations is a book on lament. It's, it's just what it means. It means a, it's a book of weeping, a book of mourning, a book of brokenness. And it's written to us as a guide for what we're talking about this morning, being grateful. The book of lament, Lamentations, was written, written uh, when Jerusalem fell to the hands of invaders called the Babylonians. They came in, they destroyed their city, destroyed their temple, destroyed everything, took their family members into captivity, killed a bunch of people. And those who weren't taken into captivity that remained in their broken city, this book is written from their perspective. The author of the book is recognized as the prophet Jeremiah, a man of God, a man who spoke God's word, who, who loved God, who pursued God, and it's written from his perspective. And when you read this, you, you see the brokenness of the people because of, the, of their sin, because of their, their brokenness, because of their disobedience. But what's one thing that we miss out, what's lost in translation, is the structure of Lamentations. I want to give you just a brief overview of the book of Lamentations so that you can go home and read it tonight and you'll think, now I know, right? And you'll have that little star shoots over your head like, dee -dee -dee, now you know, you know. The book of Lamentations is actually a group of five poems that Jeremiah wrote and th something that we lose in translation is that 
in each chapter, chapter 1, 2, 4, and 5, and actually 3 as well, it's an, it's an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. What is an acrostic? It's, it's kind of like a Dr. Seuss book. Where Jeremiah, he's, he's sitting there and he's like, A is for abomination. B is for boils that I have on my skin. That's basically how he's writing Lamentations. None of, none of you think that's funny, and that's good. I'm glad that you didn't laugh because you're laughing at a man's pain. Uh, but this is the idea. Lamentations is written like a Dr. Seuss acrostic. And in the first chapters 1, 2, and 4, the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, is in, is in consecutive order, is in alphabetical order from A to, I mean, I don't really know the Hebrew alphabet, but if it just imagines A to Z. There's, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each verse starts with that letter in five poems that he writes out. It's as if, the, why is that important? It's as if the, the prophet Isaiah is giving us the A to Z of suffering and woes. He's spelling out to you, look, I know what it means to suffer. I know what it means to suffer from A to Z. I've experienced every brokenness in life. The people that are in this city have lost their loved ones, have lost their homes, have lost their place to worship. They have lost their connection with God. They've lost their resources, their farming, their, their ability to be in community. They've lost it all. If you, if you want to know what it means to suffer, go back and, and read the experience of the people of Israel who, who suffered because of disobedience. He's saying to us this morning, even though you might be suffering, I promise you it might, it's probably going to fit into this A to Z list of what we've experienced in our relationship with God. We're talking about gratefulness. We're talking about how do we as a people become grateful even though we've suffered so many things in our life, maybe because of things that we've done or what people have done to us. Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations is spelling out, you might be able to be grateful if you hit this list of suffering because he's going to point us to something else. In chapter 3, chapter 3 is the, is the center of the book. It's the pivotal point of the text. Chapter 3, there's something that happens there. There is still the acrostic, the A to Z of Hebrew, but it happens every three verses rather than every verse. So there's 66 verses in, the, in chapter 3, and it's, it's highlighting something to us. Before chapter, or before chapter 3, chapters 1 and 2, and after chapters 4 and 5, you can read the people's cry for their city. They're weeping, they're mourning for their lost loved ones, for their lost city, for the lost temple, and they're weeping for the punishment of their sin. You can read about it. They're reflecting on their feeling that God has abandoned them because of their sin. Have you ever felt that way before? Ever felt abandoned by God? You ever felt that God couldn't hear you, God didn't notice you, God's, your prayers never reached His ears? Anybody ever felt that in your life before? I have. I, I have, I promise you. And they are weeping because they know that God is not listening to them. See, God had warned them throughout the Old Testament that if they continue to sin, they continue to seek after other gods, continue to, to murder and steal and destroy and commit these sins, that this would be the outcome of their disobedience. And in Lamentations, you're seeing the outcome of their disobedience. You're seeing what's happened to them because they did not follow God. And from the outside looking in, 
it's easy to see that they're, we, can, we can sit from the outside and say they're getting what they deserve. You ever see somebody who just continues to do bad decisions and you're like, well, you're getting what you deserve, right? Come on, nobody's ever said that to anybody. You always have a merciful heart towards people. You're like, oh, man, you shouldn't have stole the car, but I'll see what I can do to get you out of trouble, you know? No, you're like, idiot, you stole a car, you're going to have to deal with the consequences, right? We, we understand when people do bad things, they get what they deserve. We call that justice. We're like, hey, that's awesome. But what happens when people don't do bad things and yet they still get punished? What do we do then? What do we do then? The perspective in chapter 3 is from the author. And the author, like I said, is Jeremiah the prophet, the man of God, the God who... Uh, the man who listened to God's voice, who spoke the words of God to warn the people to turn from their sin. It's, a, it's from his perspective. And his perspective in this chapter seems to be uh, an unfair consequence of punishment because he happens to be with the people who are sinning and be, being punished. And he writes about his experience with God and he says this, the guy, the guy who is pursuing God, he says, God is driving me away from him. He says, God is turning his back on me. He writes from the, his perspective that he's being surrounded with bitterness and hardship. He's being walled in with so much pressure and anxiety and stress that he cannot escape the pain. Anybody ever felt that way before? He says he's, he's being weighed down with chains. This is the experience he has in chapter 3. That his prayers are not being heard. They hit the ceiling and bounce back. He's being the target of insults and injury. He's being humiliated. He talks about being made to eat gravel and breaking his teeth. He's, he's humiliated. He says his peace has been taken from him. He can't sleep at night. His hopes and his dreams have been dashed and destroyed. He's been broken. He's depressed. And it seems like it's completely unfair. Has anybody ever been there before? And it happens because of something that someone else has done and you're suffering the consequences? What do we do, God, when we are in this place, when we're experiencing all of this, that we are the victim of circumstance? We're doing all the right things while everyone else is doing the wrong things around us and we get pulled into their punishment. Maybe it's somebody who's done something to us or to a loved one and now we feel the weight of it and it feels like we're being punished for their actions and their sin. Can you imagine being a people who's lost everything and everyone that they hold dear, their family, their home, their hometown, their place of worship, their friends, their favorite Starbucks, everything. <laughs> everything is gone that they love. Everything is gone. And Jeremiah and the people of Israel are experiencing this. And yet his response in chapter 3, verses 22, help us see how we can be grateful even in times like that. How we can develop a heart of gratitude even when we feel like God is not hearing our prayers. Even when we feel like we're being wrapped up with chains, which is like a form of, it's a, it's a picture of anxiety. You ever been anxious before and it, it's hard to breathe? You feel like a weight on your chest? That's what Jeremiah was experiencing. I feel like I'm weighed down with chains. And yet he was grateful. And this is how he said it. Starting in verse 21 of chapter 3, the, the pivotal point of the book of Lamentations, he says, But this I call to mind. Do you know it's important to remember what God is, is doing? 
He says, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. So his memory, how he thinks, creates hope in his heart. And this is what he brings to mind. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Then he goes on to say, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I want to make a quick note about verse 24 real quick. The Lord is my portion. Portion was the word that they used for their inheritance of land. When God broke out the land to the people, he says, this is your portion, this is your portion, this is your portion. Jeremiah recognizes that he has no portion anymore because it's been conquered by the enemy and taken away from him. So instead of trusting in the land and the possessions that have all been stripped from him, he says instead, God, you're my portion. The things that have been taken from me, the things that have been stolen from me, I don't need them, I just need you. You be my portion and I'll have hope. You be the one that I trust in and all of these things don't matter. The pain's still there, it's still real, but I'm not putting my portion in them anymore, I'm putting it in you. And he has hope because he says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. No matter what we're facing, no matter how dark the night, his love never stops, his mercy has no end. I love that he says when I call it to mind, I'm reminded that his mercy is new every morning. Isn't that beautiful? When I'm going through hard things in life, when I'm having hardships, it always seems that it happens at night, doesn't it? Like you can experience something in the middle of the day, like, man, this is horrible. But then you try to go to bed at night and it like weighs on you, it just, it's heavy on you. There would be times when I would suffer through those things and I would wrestle at night and I would be reminded of this verse, God, when I wake up, I'll experience your mercy because it's new every morning. It's brand new. Great is your faithfulness. These verses, these four verses, are the central theme of the entire book, hinging on this chapter, or verse 22. I'm not a huge numerology guy, but there is a lot of things about numerology in this book that I think is important to us. In verse 22, when you get to chapter 3, verse 22, there are 66 verses before verse 22 in chapter 3. There are 66 verses after verse 22 in chapter 3. And they all point to this verse, that his love and mercy are hinged on these 66 verses before and these 66 verses after. No matter what's happening in these verses, his love and mercy are central. And I find it interesting that there are 66 books in the Bible, and they all hinge on the fact of God's love and mercy towards us and his call for redemption of a people who are far from him, but he's calling to draw close to him. That's interesting to me. I don't know if that's significant or not to you, but I just think that it's, it reminds me that the woes in life, the Bible, the 66 chapter, the 66 books of the Bible reflect the 66 verses that all hinge back to his love and mercy never come to an end. His love and mercy is what's central to our lives. His love and mercy is what our lives are all about. Do you know that there are five chapters in Lamentations and do you know what the number five represents? Anyone? The number five represents God's grace. And it's as if the prophet uh, Jeremiah is saying this, that no matter what you experience and struggle and strife and pain and brokenness and bitterness, there will always be grace for you. The number five represents the grace of God. You'll find it throughout Scripture. 
And it just reminds me that His love and His mercy are pivotal to the point of our struggle. What is mercy? Mercy is different from grace. Mercy is compassion and forgiveness given to someone who would otherwise be found in punishment. We're talking about experiencing punishment for ourselves because of the sin that we've done and the pain that we have caused in our own lives or in the lives of others. Mercy says you can receive forgiveness for the things that you've done through and by Jesus and the blood that he spilt for you. Compassion is for those who are suffering because of what others have done for them. And, it, and the Lord comes in to bring comfort and to bring relief from the pain. That's what mercy is for us. In relation to both our sin and the sin of others, love and mercy are key. So whether you're experiencing suffering or pain because of your own actions or the actions of someone else, God's love for you is steadfast. And His mercy is new every morning. I had a friend call me just a couple weeks ago. Telling me that uh, he had committed a moral failure in his life and in his marriage. And I was brokenhearted for him. He's a dear friend. And I love him so much. But the first words out of my mouth were this. God loves you. He loves you. And I'm saddened and I'm brokenhearted because of what you're telling me. But his love for you is steadfast. And his mercy for you never ends. So if you'll turn to him, if you'll confess your sin and run to the cross of Jesus, you can find redemption and hope again. And it's true for him, and it's true for you. No matter what you've done in life, God's steadfast love is there. His mercy is new every morning. And we can be grateful for that, can't we? Thankful to God because of his mercy. If we are guilty and we deserve punishment, instead of punishment, God's mercy is waiting for us. We run into his mercy before we run into his judgment. And a lot of times the world has that backwards, don't they? They think that God is waiting there to beat them over the head because they failed. God's walking around with a big stick waiting to punish those. No. God's mercy always goes before him. Then his judgment. If you won't accept my mercy, then you will have to accept my judgment. But I want you to accept my mercy first. I want you to experience my love first. I want you to know me and have right relationship with me. His mercy always triumphs. That's what the Bible says. Over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So what is the prophet saying to us in the book of Lamentations? Focusing on these causes of pain and punishment, no matter what you've done, if it's your sin or if it's the sin of someone else, his mercy and his love is there for you. His mercy is rising like the sun in your life. So in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of my pain, God's love meets me and his hope rises in me like the sun. As all the causes of suffering and pain from A to Z cannot compare to the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father who calls us to give thanks, to be grateful, 
because he knows that in gratefulness, our hearts are changed. If we continue to stare at the pain, the struggle, then that becomes our focus and it consumes us. But if our, our attention turns to the one who still gives us breath in our lungs, who still gives us clothes on our backs, there's still hope for tomorrow because the sun is rising, and when the sun rises, his mercy rises with it. Then I can turn to him and say, God, my situation is bleak. It's dark and it's painful, but God, I set my focus on you. I turn my attention to you, and I give you thanks and praise because you're God who loves me, who provides for me, and I trust you, and I love you, God. A heart of gratitude changes our perspective. It turns our eyes from the pain and turns our eyes to the provider. And we love you, Jesus, for it. The other thing that reminded me of, and I... I laugh because my son loves this book and I read it to him quite a bit. Now to the part where he just points to the animals and says what they are and doesn't actually quote the alphabet. He just says eel, elephant, feather. That's ear, elephant, and feather if you didn't pick up on his language. But what reminded me, the prophet Jeremiah goes through that Hebrew alphabet. It also reminded me of a name for God in the Bible using the Greek alphabet, says that he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And what that reminds me of is the, the fact that we're going through suffering. Suffering is not my beginning and my end. Pain is not my beginning and my end. Struggle is not my beginning and my end. My beginning and my end is my Alpha and my Omega, my beginning and my end, the creator of all things, the first and last of my life. He's my Alpha and my Omega. And what's beautiful about verse or chapter 3 is that it has the alphabet, alphabet but every three verses. Three represents the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who says to this, that not, not only is he my, my beginning and my, my end, but he's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with me as I go through struggle. As I'm surrounded by struggle, chapters 1 and 2, chapters 4 and 5. The Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is there with me, the beginning and the end, through the struggle. And reminds me that his love never ends. It's steadfast and his mercy is new every morning. Isn't that beautiful? That in the middle of our pain, the middle of our disappointment, the middle of our struggle, God's mercy and love surround us. Right there in the middle of it all. I've said this before, but it's important to remember that when you're in school and you're taking a, a test, the teacher is silent because you need to focus on the test. You've been taught something and now you're being tested to see how much you retain, right? Right? A lot of us, when we go through tests, we expect God to speak, to give us the answer, and he's saying, I'm seeing if you'll pass the test, and he's quiet, waiting for you to finish. Some of you are wondering, what, God, why can't I hear your voice? Why don't I feel you? Maybe he's just saying, will you be faithful through this as I carry you, as I walk with you? I haven't left you. In fact, we're with you in the middle of it. And I'm here silently waiting for you to complete this test of your life. So even the things that you're going through, if they're your fault, if it's actions you've committed, mistakes you've made, choices that you've continued to make that led you down a bad road, His mercy is waiting for you, 
run to him and put your hope in him. If it wasn't your fault, if you're experiencing pain and, and, and a struggle and, and you're wrestling with things in life because of what others have done to you, his, he is merciful to you. His compassion is waiting for you if you'll run to him, if you'll put your trust in him. He tells you this morning the struggle won't last forever. The pain won't always be there. The hardship won't always be there. I have compassion for you, and it's rising with the sun. I always find it interesting that it's always darkest right before the dawn. So if it's dark in your life right now, get ready because the sun is coming up. Amen. His hope is rising in your life. And I pray that through this message this morning, hope is beginning to rise in your heart. That the God of, of all creation knows you, knows your name, knows your struggle, and walks with you right now in the middle of it. He's there for us. He loves us. And I pray that our hearts would fill with hope. And as they fill with hope, our mouths would release in gratitude what he's doing for us.